Pike back yeah. blocked, and it is up. going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown. It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. And we are Inside Black and Gold, a post-minicamp edition. I'm back from vacation. Joining Finally. Jeff yes, joining Jeff Nowak. I'm Steve Geller. And we're going to be talking 53-man roster projections. I know everyone's yeah. excited. Yes, pr- I promised and I have delivered. We're going to get into a lot of that. Steve was not at minicamp, so I figured I'd... I take it easy on him and, and spend the majority of the time talking about stuff that doesn't matter. But Steve, how how was your how was your trip to the Sunshine State as you just actively actively missed minicamp? Yeah, I I definitely enjoyed the time away and beach life was great. Uh, had a few cocktails as well, enjoying the sun and surf. But man, I tell you, coming back home, it was a huge noticeable difference in the air quality. And that was just basically the temperature wise, nothing having to do with, you know, any foreign substances or anything in the air. But man, just going out, uh, got into Louisiana, got into a gas station just to refill. And I was like, oh, my Lord, what am I getting back into after enjoying the cool, softer air in Florida, which I couldn't believe it was that much of a difference here in Louisiana. So you're referring to the mugginess of it all? Yeah, it was just so heavy. And like, it felt like, the sunshine was right in front of my face. You know, we were standing on the sun kind of temperature. And <laughs> yeah, I was re- like really taken back on how different Florida was. Yeah. Then well, again, thankfully I, the I, heat, I was hanging by the water though. So that, that makes a difference. Thankfully the, the heat of this week was not the heat of last week, because oh. if it was the, like the temperature <laughs> we've been getting the last several days, if it was this hot for minicamp, I don't, I think they might've had to practice inside. Like, I think it would have been so hot that they would have been like, you know, what, we're doing this inside. But we we made it through. And, you know, there, there's not a ton of changes in my roster projection, but I'm still going to go through each position because I think like not changing it is also relevant at this point because the first one was kind of a guess. And now we kind of have a better idea of how things are stacking up, particularly at positions like defensive back, linebacker, stuff like that. So we're going to break this into three segments. The first segment is going to be quarterbacks, running backs, and specialists. Segment two is going to be wide receiver, tight end, offensive line. Segment three is going to be defensive line, linebacker, and defensive back, which includes safeties and cornerbacks. So there you go. So if you want to skip ahead, go for it. Otherwise, we're going to get into it. But uh, first things first, quarterbacks. Quarterbacks, quarterbacks, quarterbacks. We heard from... Derek Carr after the first day of May camp. And one thing he, he, he said that I thought was interesting was he basically just kind of admitted that, that he, he played like crap last season, right? Like everyone knows it. And that's why whenever everyone says like, wow, I think Derek Carr is going to have a good year. And they're like, Oh, but he got shut out of the Superdome. And I was like, yeah, he struggled mightily throughout the year. It just didn't go well. 
from start to finish. It's not a, like you're not breaking any new ground when you point that out. Everyone knows it, including him. And this is what he had to say on that front. I would say that I, I just I, they just didn't get my best, you know, and, and that, that drove me crazy at the end of the year because I was I felt so spread out in so many different ways um, that it's hard for you to understand because it's what's happening in my mind and in my life, you know. Um, but I, I felt so spread out and was trying to do this, trying to do that, trying to, you know, get the guys excited about a certain thing or a certain way, um, even though they could see on my face it was tough and things like that, you know, in certain ways. And, you know, it, I just didn't feel like myself. And, and I feel bad to you know, the coaches and the players because they, they didn't get my best. And I tried. It wasn't like I wasn't trying to get my but, but you sit back and you sit back, you write it out and you learn. You're like, oh, wow, man, I – Dude, I got to do this, this, and this. Get back to making it simple and about team and about football, you know. And, uh, you know, for me, I think uh, I've tried my best to get back to that. Hopefully it leads to some success. Uh, could be a great lesson for me to learn uh, to help some guys down the road uh, when they go through a coaching change or go through a, a shift in whatever they're doing. I think it would be a great lesson for me to teach guys. Um, just some of the things I've learned uh, over the last 12 months. Uh, but most of them are like personal kind of – I don't want – Someone will say something about somebody. I'll skip all that. You know, uh, it's just certain things I learned that I, I could do better, so I could be at my best for this team. Before we get into anything else, we get it. Derek Carr struggled in the 2022 NFL season. He had some of his better seasons the years building up to that under John Gruden, who we've already gone through all the John Grudenness of everything. You kind of have to just erase that season and kind of take it on merit for what you expect to see going forward. And I think the Saints, I think Saints fans, I think Derek Carr's teammates all fully expect to see the 2021 first half, 2020-2019 version of Derek Carr in this offense. So that's kind of where I go when I every, everyone, I keep hearing like, wow, he was bad. And, you know, it wasn't better than Andy Dalton. It's like, yeah, I get it. Come up with something new. Yeah, obviously the the season wasn't great over there. Uh, a lot of turmoil under Josh McDaniels. I feel like they just really never got on the same page. Although I will say for, you know, you look at the numbers and you obviously you didn't have a guy like Darren Waller and some other uh, targets around for, for him. Well, Redford was hurt and missed a bunch of games too. Yeah, but I will say you look at Devontae Adams' numbers – and some of the best in his career came with the Raiders last season. So it wasn't all bad, obviously, uh, last season for Carr. But I, I, I definitely understand where he's coming from. There was one game, I forget who was against, and it was just this horrible pick six. He lofted up into the end zone. It was like from five, six yards away, too, right in, right in the red zone. And just awful decision. And it, it kind of just looked like this, this weak attempt even as, at a pass. Uh, but I think what has really stood out too, and, and we've talked about it with Carr, you really feel like he's speaking from the heart from you to you, and that you know it's th- there's not a lot of football speak. He's not giving you the you know the you book cliches, yeah, yeah, exactly. So and and I felt for him there, and then you kind of you heard him talk about like oh uh, he didn't want to get into you know calling out names or anything, and yeah, obviously. He's going to put things on himself, but I'm sure there's a lot of other issues behind the scenes there with that Raiders organization that didn't make last season interesting and definitely excited for this new rebuild of Derek Carr and the Saints in this season. I think that's 
that's a part of the big excitement going into this year for this black and cold gold team is the renewed hope with a quarterback and and Derek Carr trying to reignite his career along with the Saints trying to get back into playoff relevance. Yeah, and you, and you look back at last season too. It started poorly, but it also started very much kind of like the Saints did in that they could have won any of these games too. They lost four of their first five. Week one was 24-19 against the Chargers. Week two was in overtime, 29-23 against the Cardinals. Week three was 24-22 to the Titans. And then week five was that 30-29 loss to the Chiefs when they went for two and did not convert uh, and then ended up losing that game. So, yeah, I mean, I think we don't have to get too much into the weeds on this. But, again, that's kind of how I feel about Derek Carr in terms of I'm not going to hold last season against him just like I'm not going to hold last season against uh, Alvin Kamara right? Because things just were weird and didn't work the right way. And you're kind of trying to find a way around that. All that said, when I look at the roster projection, which I'll flash up on the screen here, there's not a lot of question going on at the quarterback position. The only question, and this emerges just because of what happened last year, where you didn't keep Ian Book, you cut him and went with two quarterbacks all season knowing that Taysom Hill could be your emergency third quarterback. This year, I don't think you are going to cut a fourth-round draft pick, so you are kind of locked into keeping Jake Hayner on the roster, regardless of what his status is relative to backing up Derek Carr. That said, I don't think that he will necessarily be the third-string quarterback. I think he'll end up filling the emergency quarterback role that – is almost certainly not to be used by the Saints because Taysom Hill exists. We saw Taysom Hill take quarterback reps in the first and third practice of minicamp. Jake Hayner did not take team drills whenever Taysom Hill was in the quarterback conversation. There's only three sets of team drills that they ran, and in two of the three days, Taysom Hill took them. So it kind of leads you to the to the understanding that you know, if it came down to it and Derek Carr got hurt and Jameis Winston got hurt, pretty sure it would be Taysom Hill taking the quarterback reins for at least that game. Maybe if you got to the next week, if you end up in that doomsday scenario where <laughs> you only have Taysom Hill and Jake Hayner, maybe with a week of preparation, you would turn to Jake Hayner. But I think it, it, well, if we learned anything about the quarterback position this week, it's that Taysom Hill is still in that conversation and the only difference is you have to sacrifice a roster spot to keep your fourth-round draft pick at quarterback. And I think that's what's going to happen. But otherwise, I think you've kind of learned everything you needed to learn. Derek Carr has looked good. Jameis Winston's looked good. Taysom has looked like Taysom at quarterback, you know, kind of on and off and on. You, you question the touch on some of those throws. But generally speaking, you feel like you could get the job done. One thing I did see, too, while I was away, the fact that obviously Taysom – taking snaps at the QB spot during practices. But the fact that he talked about even getting more involved as a receiver this year, which was blatantly missing from last season. It was like, wait a minute, you're listed as this tight end, but no one's throwing at you. Yeah. He said, he said as a receiver, he kind of means as a pass catching tight end, but yeah, I think it was just a deployment. I think it kind of got away from Pete Carmichael a little bit. And that, I think that's kind of what happens when you switch quarterbacks, when you, lose your top two wide receivers and Mike Thomas and Jarvis Landry. You're just kind of trying to make things work and any, the best laid plans of the preseason probably fall by the wayside when you're in that situation. And so I think that's what you're seeing there is Taysom is going to 
try to be prepared more so this year than last year. And I think when you look at how he was used as a quarterback, it didn't make sense that he wasn't getting any quarterback reps because you were asking him to go in there and throw occasionally. He wasn't a tight end. Maybe that changes this year, but either way, the, what you may want to make sure you avoid is a situation where Taysom Hill gets in the game and you're asking him to do something he has not been prepared to do. So I think that's what you're trying to avoid. Yeah, right. and just your, your point with Hayner, too, I totally agree. You're going to put Hill in somebody that's more familiar with the offense and obviously has the reps instead of a guy, a guy that's totally green. Unfortunately, Ian Book was thrust into that situation on Monday night just because of COVID. Yeah, right. And got him the next year. And it's not that I'm against Jake Hayner. I just think in this situation with the players you have on the roster, yeah. and it doesn't make sense to move on from Jameis. Maybe you trade him. I don't know. Maybe that helps you out. But I think Jake Hayner is probably the guy you have inactive on game days. And you and you kind of go from there. Yeah, it's a red shirt year. Right, exactly. And there's no problem with that. That's kind no. of part of the deal. All right. Moving on to running back and fullback. I think this is kind of your hands are tied here with you don't really have an option with keeping Alvin Kamara, Jamal Williams, or Kendrick Miller on the roster. Like you are, those are three roster spots. The only question, and we haven't seen Kendrick Miller practice yet. The only question is, do you keep a fullback? And for now, I think you do. There's a chance if you're desperate to try to save a roster spot. Sure, maybe you you cut the fullback, put him on the practice squad, and bring him up as you need him. You could technically elevate him three times without having to burn a roster spot. Maybe that's how you start the year. That's how they did it last year. Um, but for now, just for the numbers, I'm keeping him on the roster. You know, Benjamin, we haven't seen work out yet. Jake Vargas is just kind of a depth there. And Adam Prentice, you know, the, the team drills, and it was strange, but it, it was the case. He was on the first team team drills catching passes from Derek Carr and Jameis Winston in the two minute. Now, Alvin Kamara and Jamal Williams weren't weren't in on those drills. Maybe they were just giving Kamara the day off and Jamal Williams. But you know, this team clearly likes Adam Prentice. So I think he's gonna be on the roster in some shape or form. And uh, so for now I'm keeping four. And otherwise it's pretty straightforward, and you're just kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop with Alvin Kamara's potential suspension. Yeah, like you mentioned with Prentice, I, I think his spot is safe. But, I mean, I guess we'll have to see what Jake Vargas can do in training camp to kind of push uh, him for that role at fullback. But uh, I totally agree here, obviously, at running back. And the only thing that could be maybe interesting, obviously, practice squad-wise, is like a uh, Ellis Mayweather uh, or a Kirk Merritt type. I did, I did forget to put Ellis Merriweather on here. So, good catch. He is on this roster. Yeah, yeah right now, in real time. Woohoo! Sorry, Ellis. You're cut. <laughs> uh, Sir Roderick Thompson also got cut after camp. He's not on this list, yeah. but he is also already cut. You know, I, I don't even know if it's technically, if it's really Jake Vargas versus Adam Prentice. I think it's Adam Prentice versus no fullback. Really? Right? Huh? Yeah. I just, yeah. I, don't know. I feel like the Saints like to utilize the position, though. I think they like to utilize it in certain matchups. Yeah. And, Early in the season, remember, you can bring, you can put him on the practice squad and call him up three times before you have to sign him. And that's what they did last year, right? So I could see them just not having a fullback on the roster, having him on the practice squad and saying, we're going we're gonna to save a roster spot. And then once we bring you up three times, we'll sign you to the active roster. We'll figure it out from there. By that point, I'll probably have guys going on IR. So you won't have, you won't have to be thinking about it as much. You'll know what the situation is with Camara. The other guy I'll mention here is Kirk Merritt, who has been working out with the running backs, but is still technically a wide receiver. I have him on the cut line at wide receiver right now, but I think there is a chance that, say, for example, 
Alvin Kamara gets suspended the first six games and you just from a numbers perspective, you want an extra body at running back um, in case one of Jamal or Kendry goes down if they're your one twos and you want an RB three and he's the, he makes the most sense because you can also incorporate him in other ways. He's kind of like Ty Montgomery. I think if you're comparing him to anybody, that's who it would be. So I think there's a sliver of a chance that maybe he stands out in camp and makes a lot of sense to be that dual flexibility guy with that extra roster spot available because Kamara is off the roster for six games. So that's something to keep in mind as well. But for now, I'm not putting him on this list. Also something I'm excited about with the running backs here is Jamal Williams mentioning he has NOLA touchdown dances ready to go already in in his uh, repertoire. So get that man into the end zone, please. (laughs) Agreed. Agreed. He's already been dancing out at minicamp. (laughs) Going to do some more. Let's go down to the specialists. Not a ton to talk about here. I'm not making any changes. Will Lutz, Blake Gillick, and Zach Wood are the three special teamers. Kicker, punter, long snapper. And then the cuts are kicker, Blake Groupie, punter, Lou Headley. Now, I do think that the kicker battle is very much a real competition. Like, it's not a foregone conclusion that Will Lutz is your kicker, because I think Blake Groupie has done enough to show that he could pull he could take that spot if you if you allowed him to. But kind of like Jameis and Jay Kaner, I think that in order for Blake Groupie to beat out Will Lutz, Will would have to just fall down flat on his face and not get up, which is possible, right? I don't see it happening, but it's possible. And in that sense, you know, it's worth talking about. But for now, I'm just going with Will. It may, it, he, would, he would have to do a lot of bad stuff. And right now, he looks fine. He looks good. His leg looks good. He was good from 58 in practice the other day. So uh, I'm not making any changes here just yet. Yeah, I don't know what Groupie did during the minicamp portion, but I remember that last OTA practice, he really turned a lot of heads going perfect and, you know, nailing that long distance. What was it, 58-59 yarder? Yeah, I think if you're if you're just trying to distill as it pertains to Groupie at this point, it's he has shown that he has what it takes to be a, a kicker, right? right? Like, he, he, you haven't watched him and been like, this guy doesn't have it. But in order for him to make this roster, Will Lutz will have to show you he doesn't have it. Because I yeah. think... From just just a pressure perspective alone, in terms of being a guy who has made clutch kicks in his career, if you have any excuse to keep him around, you're going to keep him around because I don't know what Blake Ruby's going to look like in the final 30 seconds of needing a 50, 48 yarder to win a game. I don't know. He might be nails, but at the same time, I know Will Lutz can be nails in that situation. We saw it against the Texans. We've seen it so many times. Even last year, like, I don't think he missed clutch kicks. He just missed kicks, right? And so if he can get back to consistency, especially from 50 yards and in, then I have no qualms about Will Lutz. Now, if we get into the preseason, I think that's what's going to happen. Is if we get into the preseason and suddenly he's whiffing on kicks, then you're in trouble. But for now, I'm not, I'm not doing anything. Lou Headley looks like he has a cannon leg too. Again, I think these are guys that if you can just stash them and, and maybe bring them back next year, with with maybe if Blake is not on the roster, or you move on or whatever. He's a good guy to get a look at, and I think he he's got a future in the NFL as a punter. Um, he's just gonna have a hard, again. He's gonna have a hard time beating out Blake. Yeah, and you look at Zach Wood, pretty much entrenched as your long snapper. That's a you know not talked about. I think enough in the NFL. A really sweet gig if you can get it because you usually hang on to that guy for a while. But yeah, so that so that's three quarterbacks, four running back slash fullbacks and three special teamers. So that puts us at 10 roster spots taken up. 
And that's more than you necessarily need between those three positions. You could get away with eight. So you are burning two roster spots because of scenarios that you know you've you found yourself in, which is you need an extra running back to accommodate Alvin Kamara's suspension. You and you drafted one, and you need to hold an extra quarterback because you drafted a quarterback that probably isn't ready to be your backup. So that could loom down the road. Like if you if you're wondering why, wow, why did that DB get cut? Well, because you burned a roster spot where you might not have had to. So yeah. Anyway. Let's, Obviously, go we got to wait to see what Kendry Miller does. We haven't even seen the dude practice, but man, that running back, just looking at the depth chart, is so much more appealing this year. Seeing you know Kamara Williams and a Kendry Miller because last season, I don't know, things were just stale back there. I agree, and, and you don't know how much you're going to see Kendry Miller, especially early in the yeah. season. I don't know how you're going to deploy Jamal, and it's and it's strange because you know Alvin is your star running back, but he's also your third yeah. down back. Right. Because you don't like in a lot of instances, like, for example, Leonard Fournette, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's a star on the early downs. But then you'd want, you know, a Gio Bernard to kind of come in on third downs and be your pass catcher. Well, in this case, Alvin Kamara is your pass catcher. So in order to not have him play every down, you would need a first down runner like Jamal Williams. So I imagine that's how it would break down. But we'll see. Um, And then obviously Kendra is going to have to fit into that mix. But all right, let's wrap up that segment. We're going to come back and we're going to get into the rest of the offensive positions. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. Steve's back. Mr. Steve Geller, who it's not just me ranting as it has been for several episodes in a row, although we did have Charlie Long on here for the special episode that posted on Monday. Thanks to him for doing that. It's always a good sport about it. Uh, Yeah. All right. If you haven't subscribed yet, do that. Wherever you get your podcast, subscribe on YouTube, WWL Sports, and stick around. And we're back. Another segment of Sports Talk. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller, all tan from Florida. Wait a minute. I'm all... Talk. You're still used to hosting. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Did I say Sports Talk? You did. Oh, man. This is Inside Black and Gold. Gosh. Yeah. So I, I hosted 10 days of Sports Talk, and now it's, it's ingrained just ingrained in, in, my, in my brain. I'm not a fan. But I'm, I'm going to leave that in. I'm not even going to re-record this. We're going through my new 53-man roster projection. I promised that I would update it after minicamp. There aren't a ton of changes, but we're going to start to get into them uh, now that we're into the wide receiver position. We're going to get into wide receivers. We're going to get into tight ends, and we are going to get into offensive line in this segment. And so let's flash this up here. There are a lot of wide receivers currently on this roster, and that and that doesn't include Malik Flowers, who was cut, which is a bit of a surprise, but I think... Uh, you know, the, when you brought in Kiki Kuti and Lynn Bowden, who both were signed and were very exclusively used in the kick return part of the practice, uh, it kind of you probably could have put two and two together. I didn't, but you probably could have put two and two together that Malik was not panning out considering you brought him in as a kick return specialist. But so I'm keeping the same numbers at wide receiver, just keeping six wide receivers. You could theoretically keep more or less, but I think six is safe. And Lynn Bowden Jr. is one of them. And because I think that you brought both those guys in for one of them to be your backup returner. And while you could theoretically stash them on the practice squad and bring them up, kind of like an Adam Prentice, I think for now it just makes sense to put the backup returner on the roster and go from there. 
My others are Chris Olave, Traquan Smith, Michael Thomas, Rashid Shahid, sixth round pick A.T. Perry. And the gifted change is I took Brian Edwards off of the keep line and put him down on the cut line. Um, Cause I just, yeah, it just haven't been super impressed with him thus far. Yeah. Question. I, I think I go into every year though, waiting. We'll see what happens with Traquan. interested about the addition of Cootie. Is that how you say the last name correctly? QT, QT. Technically it's QT, like the letters QT. Okay. Just cause he has obviously the returns uh, ability as well. Yeah. And I think could be someone that could push Bowden jr. Uh, for that spot. One thing to keep in mind, too, is Lynn Bowden has a familiarity with Derek Carr. Yeah, that's a big one. He did spend time on the Raiders, and that's just been a very Raiders. Yeah, a very popular theme. Like Billy Price, another guy they signed, was on the Raiders practice squad last year. So, again, it's like you're, you're cl- there's a very clear trend developing of familiarity with Derek Carr is helpful to you in getting a spot on the Saints roster, or at least it appears that way right now. So that's kind of why I lean that way. It could be Kiki as well. I was kind of 50-50 between them. But so the cuts, Kawan Baker, Shaq Davis, Brian Edwards, as mentioned, Keith Kirkwood, Kirk Merritt. I have Brian Edwards on here twice for some reason. So actually just, there's only – You just want to get rid of him that badly. Like seven cuts. <laughs> yeah, I want him to gone so badly that I put him on here twice. Kirk Merritt, Kiki Cutie, and James Washington. Brian, you know, and, and I I do like Brian Edwards. He just hasn't looked confident. Uh, he's – he just hasn't made any plays. Uh, I, he doesn't seem like a guy who's making a strong case to make the roster at this point. A.T. Perry is a guy who I think is still very much on the line of you got to pick it up if you want to make this roster. Um, I think he's he's stabilized his, his play a little bit. I talked to Cody Burns on the second day, or on the first day of camp, and he was talking about consistency. He needs to see more consistency out of him. They obviously like him. He's got big hands he's got the big wingspan he can jump he can run he's just got to be more consistent stop dropping balls and i think he did that sells and made any contested catches but um we'll see the other one is traquan smith who i think could potentially miss the roster and you know guys like keith kirkwood are always options kirk merritt as i mentioned before in the first segment is an option if you want to keep somebody who has some dual position flexibility and then a veteran like james washington i don't know you know he hasn't really done anything to stand out but that's those are my keeps right now yeah, totally makes sense. And um, I think that's going to be an interesting group as a total, though, come training camp, obviously, for position battles. But, man, uh, you know, checking out the waves and enjoying the waves at the beach, I kept seeing, though, Chris Olave making waves, man. Everybody's been raving about him, being impressed. Obviously, we saw a little bit of year two from him at organized team activities, but um, apparently the impressive outings from him continued into minicamp. Well, he had, yeah, he had one really nice play over Alante Taylor. He went up for a jump ball, scored a touchdown in team drills. That was day two. He didn't practice on day three because he was dealing with some Achilles soreness. Dennis Allen said it wasn't a big deal. But yeah, I think that is kind of where you are, where you're looking at him and saying he's going to have to be that kind of breakout player this year. And it would be great if Mike Thomas can can kind of get back to some stable version of his production. I don't need 149 catch Mike Thomas. I think I said this last year too. I need like 80 catch Mike Thomas, who's available for 14, maybe even 12 games, right? Like, and and would be around for a playoff run. That's the Mike Thomas I need. And you know, Chris Olave, Rashid Shahid, I want them to kind of pick up the slack there. 
for now, you know, this, this I think this group is solid. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe down the road you add a, add a piece. I do think you probably could add one more depth receiver if Hunter Renfro becomes available. He would make a lot of sense. But for now, this this group, I think, makes makes the most sense. No, and I love what you're saying about Michael Thomas. Too many people are talking about, will we see 2019 Michael Thomas ever again? Shoot, man, I just want to see him for double-digit games right now. We're going to move on to the tight ends here. And first, this is Dennis Allen talking about what Taysom Hill's role is going to be. That's kind of been his role since he's been here. Um, and and we're going to utilize him in a lot of different roles. Um, he's he's a, uh, a weapon offensively for us that, that can – uh, do a lot of different things, and and so, you know, our thought is to get him involved in a lot of different areas. And here is Derek Carr talking about his new quarterback buddy. Yeah, you throw him a pass, and he throws it back just as good. You know, um, it's it's pretty interesting. You know, he's got he's got a cannon arm. He can run routes. He's tough. You know, all those things, and let's see why he's been such a productive football player. And yes, we're talking about tight ends, but it's you can't talk about Taysom Hill as a tight end without talking about Taysom Hill as a quarterback and Taysom Hill as a running back and whatever. And it's very clear that, you know, while I think, and I talked to Clancy Barone about this, we played that interview in the last podcast, he's going to be more involved as a tight end in some capacity, but at the end of the day, it's not going to be tight end one Taysom Hill. It never will be. It was never really going to be that last year. It was just kind of how people interpreted it. And then from week one on, you kind of saw that that was the case. It wasn't that. But for the purposes of this roster projection, they're going to keep three tight ends. Juwan Johnson, obviously. Taysom Hill counts in that position, at least as far as I'm considering it. And then the change from the first roster projection, which isn't really a change, is Miller Forrestal off that top line. Miller Forrestal, we have not seen him work yet. He's been dealing with an injury. And Foster Morrow is going into it. That was always kind of the idea. Miller was kind of a placeholder for whatever blocking tight end you brought in, and that's what you did. You also have Jesse James on the roster now. Lucas Krull is also intriguing. He's looked good. I just think this is going to be a really tough nut to crack at tight end, and I think he's probably destined for the practice squad again. Yeah, I think so too with Krull on the practice squad. The one that's obviously interesting to me, though, Jesse James, just to see uh, what he can do uh, after he talked about not really getting to be in camp anyone's camp early on the past couple of years. And, you know, with the Saints having that need still for that blocking tight end, uh, wondering if he could end up sneaking in and filling that role too. It's possible, you know, and, and if you and if you consider Taysom Hill a quarterback and you want to yeah. take a, an extra tight end, he would probably be the guy because I do think you need a blocking tight end more than you need an extra pass-catching tight end, which would be the case with Lucas Kroll. Like you want somebody who can be a jumbo guy and he would be that guy. I don't know what Miller Forrestal has to offer. Maybe he, he's going to show right. up and kind of open some eyes. I've never seen him play. I don't know anything about him. I was kind of hoping to learn some at this mini camp, but he didn't, he didn't practice. So we'll see. But yeah, I, I think you're probably going to look for three. And, you know, if Foster Moreau struggles as a blocker, there's no guarantee that he he sticks on this roster. I mean, obviously he signed a three-year deal, but there's nothing there's nothing guaranteed if you can't hack it as a block. I'm not saying he can't. I'm just saying that that's if for Jesse James to make this roster over Foster, it would have to be because Foster struggles as a blocker and Jesse stands out as a blocker. No, for sure. And I think from what 
at least we've seen very little, obviously, early on. But what everyone's talked about as well, I think Foster is a, a pretty good fit for this this, the, this Saints squad. Yeah, and he's he's been nothing but consistent, right? Like, yeah, I don't see him missing this roster. I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate of like, okay, if I'm Jesse James, what am I hoping right. for? I don't uh, think there's a route yeah. onto the roster if Foster makes it. No, and you have to put Taysom in this that grouping. I mean, he he is a tight end. Yeah, and one thing that Clancy said, and I and I thought it was interesting. So everyone was making a big deal about OTA absences as they always do. One thing that's worth noting is like teams have gotten a lot better at including people in the process, even when they're not here. It was something they had to do during COVID, and I think just like anyone who works a job can 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 relate to, like there are things that you do now in your job that you didn't do pre-COVID, but that make a lot of sense, right? And one of those things is they FaceTime people into meetings and they they were able they were able to send Taysom all of the practice film and all of, you know, kind of the homework on his iPad. And so he was communicating with everyone in the tight end room, even when he wasn't there. And so when he got there for minicamp, he was already kind of a few steps ahead. Clancy said he could tell that he'd been working on some route running on his own. So, like, keep that in mind. Even when guys weren't there, they were still part of the process. Um, and so, you know, I think that's important to 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 remember. Yeah, just because you're, you're absent, you you're still getting the mental reps, quote unquote. I guess you could say. Right, like I work from home pretty much exclusively now, but I'm doing just as much work, if not more, than I was when I sat in an office for eight hours a day. So, yeah, there I'm there not- are the yeah there are the the benefits and also the negatives. I mean, because basically, when you are working at home, though you you kind of feel like it's 24 <laughs> seven. He also just had a kid. So it kind of is 24 seven for <laughs> very <Jason> true. Right <laughs> um, but all right. Yeah. I think the tight end position is pretty straightforward and we've talked extensively about Taysom. We played the interview with Clancy last episode. So I don't want to hang on to it too long. So let's move down to offensive line. This is a question. This is a position that is difficult to project right now. And it's really not even about the players. It's about who's going to be healthy. We haven't yeah. seen Trevor Penning, we haven't seen Cesar Ruiz. Both of them are dealing with the same type of injury, but they're expected to be ready for camp. And then Nick Saldaveri, we saw at rookie minicamp, but then he did not practice during any of the OTAs or minicamp dealing with a calf injury. He has been out there. He isn't wearing a boot or anything. So it seems like he's on his way back. And uh, we'll just see, have to see if he's ready. But that does make it a little difficult to project how many offensive linemen you might need to keep. For now, I'm sticking with nine. And I think they're pretty straightforward. Like you, obviously, Eric McCoy, Cesar Ruiz, Andres Pete, Nick Saldaveri, James Hurst, Trevor Penning, Ryan Ramchek are all making this roster. I think Landon Young is also a pretty safe bet to make this roster. So there's only one real question position of these nine and I'm going with a guy I actually haven't seen yet in Billy Price the guy that just signed off the street but he makes a lot of sense if you're as long as he shows up and doesn't completely fall flat on his face because he can play all three interior line positions he's a guy who could potentially back up Eric McCoy who which personally and this might be me projecting but personally I'm tired of seeing Cesar Ruiz being asked to shift over to center I think it's hurting his development at guard when he's constantly being asked to play center. Eric McCoy has been hurt each of the last two seasons. You hope that he can kind of kick that injury bug, but I think you have to at least go into the season preparing for it. Last year, Josh Andrews was the guy you brought in and that's not exciting for anybody. 
Um, and I think you do want to have a bit higher upside at your backup center spot if you can. So I think that's why I'm going with Billy Price. And the guy I knocked out was Lewis Kidd, who made the roster last year as a UDFA. The other cuts are Alex Pilstrom, Mark Evans, Calvin Throckmorton, Storm Norin, Scott Lashley, and Cody Martin. You know, it's funny you mentioned with Cesar Ruiz, Trevor Panning, obviously expected to be ready for training camp. I feel like we hear that about everybody. It's kind of like when someone has surgery and they say, oh, it was a successful surgery. Was there ever an unsuccessful surgery? Do they, Are the Saints ever expecting these guys not to be ready for training camp kind of thing? I, I don't know. I have big questions. I'll give you an example of an unsuccessful surgery. Mike Thomas in oh, 2020. Absolutely. Uh, but you know what the reports are all the time, though. You hear, oh, so-and-so had successful surgery kind of thing. But no, yeah, this, well, I would hope that surgery is successful 99.9% <laughs> of the time because unsuccessful surgery is a problem. It means the surgeon probably shouldn't have a job. Yeah. I mean, yeah. but, but uh, Will Lutz had a, you know, quote unquote unsuccessful surgery too that same season. Like it's not always the surgery. It's the recovery from the surgery that I think is where you are hoping for success. I don't know. Just this, this group as a whole, there's still a question for me in general, just because of all the health issues we've seen. And uh, just hoping that come training camp, we see the, you know, whatever kind of group start to gel together, get some continuity because we can talk about, you know, Derek Carr and these weapons all we'd like, but if they can't get the offensive line uh, straightened out and a lot better from last season, we're not going to see much different results. Well, and yeah, so we say Trevor Penning is a question because of the health, but then once yeah. that question is answered, he's going to be a question in terms of can he successfully start a left tackle? <laughs> exactly. I mean, I think last year we never got to answer that question officially because he got hurt in the final preseason game. So any question you had about whether he would start or James Hurst was answered by the fact that he started the season on IR. But I'm pretty sure even if he had been healthy, he would have backed up James Hurst to at least start the season, maybe taking over at some point. But I mean, there's a reason he was not didn't feel like he was going to beat out James Hurst, and it's because he wasn't ready. Hopefully, that's changed this time, but we don't know. Um, he hasn't. I, I doubt that he's gotten a ton of skills development over the off season. How could you? He has been out there for every practice. He's been doing the work, the mental work, at the very least. And so we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, it's if the offensive line isn't right, a lot of things are wrong. And for any NFL, that. Team, that's very true of the Saints. No, that's yeah. Uh, I'm hopeful with Penning. We saw some positive progress from him, and then you know, then uh, the, the unfortunate injury again, and that that's obviously a concern with you know two foot injuries already, uh, in just his first season as an NFL rookie with the Saints. I'm also, you know, you we were you mentioned backup center Sal Deveri. I know is a guy that got some limited reps at the Senior Bowl, but I don't think that's anything he's really been invested in he approaches the game like a center in terms of under, <laughs> okay. he wants to understand everything and he said that but i don't think in his rookie season you would yeah. want him cross training at center i need to make sure he is ready to go as a guard in the nfl and then if he can do that then sure maybe you branch out but for this season i want him to be a backup guard to andres pete um and you'll go from there and then i, I think james hurst would be the backup guard to Cesar Ruiz, and you and you don't necessarily need a backup at every single spot, but 
I do want to be able to plug in guys. I, I want to have availability for guys to to plug in. The other question is, okay, maybe do you keep 10 offensive linemen? That's, again, a question I will not be able to answer and we will not be able to answer until we see some of these guys healthy. I think there is a scenario where you might have to do that. If one of these guys gets re-aggravates an injury and isn't ready to go and you have to maybe stash him on IR or do whatever. But for now, I'm keeping nine just because it makes the numbers game a little easier on the back end. I could, uh, out of all of them that you have left off, maybe a Lewis kid just because he can be that swing guard tackle and has experience. But other than that, yeah, everything looks good on the O-line to me. I like Lewis Kidd. I like Calvin Throckmorton. They did sign Storm Norton, so they clearly like him. There's, I think it's possible that Storm Norton beats out Landon Young. It would be difficult because I think Landon Young has the built-in understanding of the offense, and that really helps. But, yeah, I, I, I'm, I am not beholden to a Lewis Kidd or any of these guys and other than the fact that they're around and they understand things. But all right, let's wrap up that segment. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about the defense, defensive line, defensive back, and linebacker. This is Inside Black and Gold. We're just going through the 53-man roster projection, which has changed slightly after the Saints minicamp that Steve did not attend. So I'm basically just schooling him up real quick. But we're going to go through that last three positions. Some interesting changes, if I do say so myself. I'm Jeff Nowak. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. Follow Steve Geller on Twitter at Steve Geller. And you can follow this podcast on Twitter at Saints underscore pod. One more segment coming back at you. Stick around. And we're back. One more segment on Inside Black and Gold. I said the right name that time. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. And let's just get right into it. If you haven't subscribed, you should do that. Uh, I feel like I've told you that already. I guess I should say it again. Follow us on YouTube at WWL Sports. Follow us on Twitter at Saints underscore pod. And first things first, we're going to get into the defensive line. We've already broken down all the offensive positions. So now let's break down the defensive positions. I think this is probably the easiest position to project in terms of there are nine names up here, and I cannot envision a single one of these players missing the roster. That's Carl Granderson, Cam Jordan, Tano Passigno, Peyton Turner, Isaiah Foskey at defensive end, then Malcolm Roach, Colin Saunders, Nathan Shepard, Brian Brazil at defensive tackle, keeping nine defensive linemen. Maybe you keep more, maybe, but I don't think you keep less. I, I don't know how you go any other route than those nine guys. Yeah, and I mean, what a difference you see here, obviously, in this lineup. We've talked about that before, too, with the turnover. The first four names have been around, but other than that, everybody else is pretty much new on this uh, D-line for this team, and it's going to be interesting to see how that all comes together. But, um, you know, I've been really loving what Carl Granderson has put out for this team and really seems to be a guy that's taken, I'm going to say giant leaps every year, but definitely taken – baby steps forward and has progressed, I feel, has become a real true key part to the rotation here. He's gotten better every season. That's all yeah, That's all sure. you can hope for for guys is that, you know, how how good what, – what did they do last year? How did they develop from last year to this year, especially for a young player? And he's done that. Um, so I, I agree with you. He's gotten more snaps. He stole Marcus Davenport's snaps last year. Yeah. Um, he ended that game in Cleveland 
with a sack of Deshaun Watson, you know, he's not affected by cold. So I guess that's a good thing because Cam Jordan is a wuss when it comes to cold. <laughs> so, you know, I, I guess you do need someone who can go out there shirtless before those winter games. Yeah. And and like you said, the only change on the defensive end part of the equation is Isaiah Foskey, the rookie coming in. So you are banking on Carl Granderson, Peyton Turner having a role here, you know, and hopefully that's the case. Peyton Turner has been healthy throughout minicamp and OTAs. So that's nice. You know, he hasn't been limited in terms of his workload. Hopefully that continues. The cuts, defensive tackle Jaron Cage, defensive end Jabari Zuniga, defensive tackle Prince Emili, defensive end Nico Lalos, and defensive tackle Jack Heflin. Again, you know, you know, one of these guys might, one of these defensive tackles maybe stands out and suddenly you keep a 10th and it's a defensive tackle. Maybe somebody gets hurt. I don't know. But none of these guys are are screaming to get on the roster at this point. So I think, like I said, this is one of the easier positions to project. Yeah, and I've you know you read stuff obviously online. There's been a little bit of whispers about what if the Saints try to get up, you know, uh, add another piece of the D line, maybe like bringing back a guy like uh, Al Qadim Muhammad, Yannick Ngakwe is still out there, kind of thing. I I just don't know if there really is that need there. I mean, you look at it right now and to me i'm hoping i'm hoping and i know the saints are fans are as well is that peyton turner is got to take that really big step this year for for this team and be more of a factor than he's been and that's obvious yeah and again I, like i think there's a chance you you add a piece and maybe keep a 10th defensive lineman but i still don't see barring injury any scenario where these nine guys aren't on the roster. Yeah, I agree. You know, like maybe Malcolm Roach, but you you brought him back this year. You know, you like him. Maybe Tano Passanio, but again, you re-signed him this offseason. You like him. He's just a veteran guy who you trust. He's wearing 92 now, and I'm sure when people get out there for training camp, they're going to be like, well, I thought they got rid of that guy. No, it's a different guy now. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the case with a few guys. Foster Morrow looks very much like Adam Troutman in the number 82. Jesse James looked just like Nick Vanette in the 81. That's just kind of the par for the course. But um, yeah, I, I could see, you know, yeah, right. You mentioned them, Yannick and Gakwe, guys like that. Uh, but for now, I think you're just going to see what you have in Peyton Turner. And if you get the impression that he's just not going to be that guy, then you, and you have to bring in somebody else. Sure. But I think you're going to give him every opportunity to contribute. Yeah. Agreed. I think I, yeah, they have to, it's a must. And yeah, Peyton Turner, it's his job to definitely lose. And if that is not happening during camp, yeah, then then I could see the body being brought in. But I just thought that was a little early maybe on some speculating, but definitely not out of the realm of, of question. I agree, but let's move on to what I would consider the weakest position in terms of depth. And if I was going to guess the position that you would be most likely to add an extra body at, you know, the, I, the free agent market is not thick with, <laughs> with, with names you love. But no. you could probably go find somebody that's linebacker. Right now I'm keeping six. That's Zach Bond, Demario Davis, Andrew Dowell, DeMarco Jackson, Anthony Orgy, and Pete Werner that has not changed. And I haven't seen anything to make me think it will. If anything, you might add a piece and drop Anthony Orgy because he hasn't done enough and you feel like you need to find someone else. I still don't know who's going to be your backup will if Pete Werner goes down. I really don't. Mar- DeMarco Jackson, I think, is in good shape to be the backup Mike and probably Sam. Linebacker, Zach Bond is probably your starting Sam linebacker in a very limited role to begin with. 
Andrew Dowell is a special teams ace. I don't think you're going to move on from him. And I think Anthony Orgy of the next five names has done enough to be there on that list. He's probably the most NFL-ready build of the young guys at linebacker. He made a nice playing coverage on Brian Edwards in practice on the third day of minicamp. But again, I think, you know, this this group does not blow me away beyond the starters in Pete Warner and Demario Davis. And, you know, maybe you never have to answer the question of who backs those guys up. These guys are typically have been healthy, but, you know, that's a tough spot to be in where you just don't have any depth. Yeah, I know everyone, we're all hoping for more development from Zach Bond. And the, the the question of obviously the Tulane kid, Nick Anderson, uh, everybody's hoping that, you know, he can make this roster pretty much from what we've seen so far. I think it's pretty safe. If he does, it'll be a practice squad guy. Just, you know, haven't been able to see enough from him and just, you know, that undersized linebacker, you know, the, the hope that he can rise up and be the, you know, the next great small guy at, at the position uh, doesn't always happen. I, I just think the Saints, if there is a role for him here, it's going to be practice squad. He's not going to make the 53-man roster. Sorry, Tulane fans. He's just so small. <laughs> exactly. I mean, he's just so small. And you see it, you know, it's like you see him in person and you're like, okay, he's got a good build. He's thick. <laughs> they see him standing out there next to like DeMario Davis and Pete Warner. And you're like, geez, he is so freaking small. You see him in a group of the safeties and he's like, yeah, okay, is he that guy? You know, and I think that's, I think for Nick Anderson to make this roster, he's got to be able to cover at an elite level for a linebacker. I just haven't seen it. He could develop that. He'd get better, but I haven't seen it thus far. And it's like, it's not, I'm not going to put him on the roster just because he's a fun story. You know, I, I have more, I, I have more uh, pride than that. And uh, yeah, speaking of Tulane, Bennett Lee's ruining LSU baseball's hearts. Uh, another Tulane guy. He was on the baseball team till last year. But yeah, it's. Uh, I think this group is the group you're going to go with until you bring in somebody else. And I don't hate it. I don't hate the group. I'm just saying in terms of the position groups it's that... It's not as strong, right? You probably need to consider shuffling in some way. This is it. And it's like, this is a team that's been doing that, right? They don't draft the position. They bring in bodies. Quan Alexander, for example, like that's just something they do. So I wouldn't be surprised if somebody shakes loose on a roster that they they consider bringing them in. Totally agree there just because, yeah, we'll say it over and over. Demario Davis and Pete Warner are definitely your only definites, I would say, at this at this spot. And you feel fine about that. Like I have no issues with the starting level of the Saints linebacker group. Zach Bond is obviously not elite at that Sam position, but you barely use it anyway. And I think he is a good pass rushing linebacker. He's a good tackling linebacker. He he contributes on special teams. So you could do worse. So I, I don't have an issue with it. When you play the Titans in week one, he's going to have to show up. And I think in matchups like that, where you're dealing with a power run attack with a big bruising runner, you're going to need that Sam linebacker to come up and make some tackles, make some plays. But you know, in most cases, he's not going to be there in coverage. Yeah, um, hopefully Zach Bond can be that guy maybe that uh, picks up some of those sacks that Caden Ellis got last year. I agree with you. All right, one more position group left, and this is an interesting one. It's a big one. I'm keeping 10 defensive backs. Stop. That's the same number I had before, but I have had to make some changes because on the first edition of this, I left Jordan Howden off the roster because I just wasn't sure what to expect from him. I knew I think he was going to have to show something to earn a roster spot more so than just 
be gifted a roster spot based on draft status. And I think he has done that. I think he has looked good. I think he has looked solid in the sense that you could conceivably see him getting real playing time as a rookie, definitely special teams reps. And the player that I dropped to add him was Jonathan Abram. And it's not because of anything Jonathan Abram has done negatively. It's just if you are close between a rookie draft pick that you just brought in and a veteran kind of mercenary that you brought in, I think you're going to lean toward the draft pick. And that's what I'm doing here, right? Like I'm not going to, if, if I kind of feel similarly about Jonathan Abram and Jordan Howden, I'm keeping Jordan Howden. And so that's what I'm doing here. The others I'm keeping that are obvious, Paul Sandibo, Marshawn Lattimore, Bradley Roby, Alante Taylor, obvious. Don't need to talk about that. But all have looked solid. Bradley Roby, I think, is going to be your starting slot corner. And Alante Taylor has gotten third team slot reps, slot reps, slot, slot reps, slot reps. And I find that interesting. Then JT Gray, Tyron Matthew, Marcus May. Those guys are on the roster. One I'm interested to see definitely when pads come on for sure is a guy like Jonathan Abram, just because I feel like that's his game, obviously, and we haven't been able to really see him shine at all without the pads on. For sure, and there's a lot there's a, there's a lot to be to be learned about these guys. There are two more defensive backs that I'm keeping on the roster. One is Ugo Amadi, who I swapped with Isaac Yadam. I had Isaac Yadam on the initial roster, and I swapped Ugo Amadi in there, and I'll get to the reason for that in a second. The other is Lonnie Johnson Jr., who I think has a lot of value in the sense that he can play both outside and at safety. He kind of fills that Justin Evans role. I mean, it just makes sense. I think he he fits what you're trying to do a lot better. Ugo Amadi and Isaac Gadam, I feel like, are very, very close to each other. The reason I went with Ugo is you need a backup slot corner more than you need a backup outside corner because the numbers at outside corner benefit you in terms of Bradley Roby and Alante Taylor are going to battle for that spot. And then if you need him to go outside, you have no qualms about moving Bradley Roby out there. But in order to do that, you would need someone backing up Bradley. And so Isaac Adam has been getting the second team reps at outside corner, but Ugo Amadi has been getting the second team reps at slot corner. And there is only one slot corner on the field. So that puts you higher in the pecking order than the, second team outside corner because that means you are at best the fourth outside corner because one of Alante Taylor and Bradley wrote, I'm sorry, Paul Snadebo would be that CB three quote unquote. So Isaac Yadam, even though he's on the second team would be CB four. And that, that puts Amadi slightly higher. Plus he's looked good. He's made some plays. I think he has upside as a gunner, as a special teams player. So he's now taking that last defensive back spot the cuts as I mentioned Abram Yadam then Anthony Johnson Jr. who is dealing with an injury we have not seen Troy Pride Jr. Vincent Gray safety smoke Monday who I think has looked solid I think he's kind of working his way up he's not there yet Um, and then defensive back Adrian Fry yeah the uh, Lonnie Johnson Jr. I thought was one definitely during at least OTAs was someone I kept writing down his number and I'm looking each time and I'm like, who is that? So I'm definitely uh, interested to see more of him come training camp time. And then I think, uh, you know, touching on it with between Alante Taylor and Paulson Adebo, that's going to be one of the big camp battles to see who ends up taking that number two corner role alongside Marshawn. 
Yeah, and it's very much going to be a camp battle. Like Dennis Allen said that. It's very clear based on the splits that that's going to happen. Alante took the first team reps on day one. Paulson took the first team reps on day two, and then they handed them back and forth on day three. Um, that's going to be a fun one to watch. And I don't know if we're going to get an answer until until the preseason games. Actually, I take that back. I don't think we're going to get a real answer until you start to get into the joint practices because the Saints are having two sets of joint practices. One, they're hosting here against the Texans, which is interesting because they play the Texans in the regular season. And then the second is on the road against the Chargers. They'll host the Chiefs in the preseason. There's no joint practices for that. Then they will go on the road to face the Chargers. They're going to have joint practices out west, and then they're going to come back and host the Texans for joint practices before that final preseason game. So I think those are where you're going to really see them. And you know, you you were out there in Green Bay last year. You could make a really valid argument, and I'd argue the correct argument, that those drills and practices are higher intensity at times than the preseason reps. Yeah, because you get to see, too, a lot more – Definitely reps for starters and even, you know, if there's a play that they want to, you know, see again, you'll see multiple times kind of get, you know, put in the same situation. I I definitely love watching the joint practices. Plus things to get, you know, they tend to get a little more chippy because guys are sick of practicing against one another. We constantly hear that wanting to hit somebody in a different uniform and it ends up shaking out that way because, you know, the, pride and all that you know machismo comes out on the line and people start talking and yapping and that's definitely like i said you you get out there in those practices in the heat even if it was green bay there was still a lot of chatter going on uh between between guys and even uh i'm not surprising i guess aaron Rodgers, man was was loving loving the trash talk out there he was going back and forth with demario Makes sense. You know, and the only thing I, you know, this is going to be the first time I think we've seen them do two sets of joint practices. Very and the cool, only yeah. concern I have is that the higher intensity of the practice, I think the higher chance you have of dealing with injuries. But again, this is football. So <laughs> anytime you go out and play real football, you risk an injury. You cannot protect football players from football. So I guess if if it's going to help you in the long run, I don't have any issues with it. I just do think you have to be careful, um, especially in that last set of joint practices. I highly doubt, you know, I think what will probably happen is you'll see really high intensity joint practices against the Chargers with a lot of starters getting a lot of reps. And then in that last week, you'll probably keep the starters out of a lot of reps, but you will get a lot of high intensity reps for guys who might, be fringe roster contenders who are trying to get make that last stamp on the roster, just like in that last preseason game. But I do think that back-to-back weeks of joint practices might be a bit much for guys like Alante Taylor. I'm sorry, for guys like Marshawn Lattimore, Alvin Kamara, Mike Thomas, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and hopefully we'll find out something. Uh, you mentioned Kamara, that August 27th final joint practice, you know, and final preseason game. Maybe we'll know something by then from the courts and NFL. Uh, although I don't know how quick a ruling will come down from the league. We're almost, you know, we're about 40 days away from that. Yeah. The start of that trial. So if there's going to be a settlement, you'd hope to hear about it soon. Cause <laughs> I, I it, like, it's going to be weird if they get to training camp and suddenly Alvin's not there because he's in an ongoing trial. That will be awkward. So <laughs> For simplicity's sake, I'm hoping for for a settlement. Is that? 
And yeah, I'm just hoping too for Kamara's state of mind because I really don't know if, if all of the weight of the issues around him played an issue last season, but I, I know for damn sure it didn't help. Yeah, I, I think anyone would much rather not have to deal with that <laughs> than have to deal with that. I don't think that's a, that's, that's a very uh, controversial statement, but who knows <laughs> these days. All right. Let's wrap this podcast up. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We went through the 53-man roster. You can find this all on WWL.com. I'm putting up a post Wednesday morning to post alongside this podcast. So if you listened and you want to go back and kind of get a full rundown of everyone who made the roster, all 53 names and who got cut and what positions, go check that out. I also have you know short breakdowns of each position, so it'll kind of help you go through it. But... All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Steve Geller, for returning to the state of Louisiana and rejoining the podcast so it's not just me talking to a wall for... Uh, actually, take the back, not just me talking to a, a image of myself for for 45 minutes. But yeah, we're going to get more into this. If anyone wants to hear anything specific about on the podcast, hit me up on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak or hit Steve Geller up at Steve Geller WWL or hit Saints Pod up at Saints underscore pod. I love yeah. how that's been growing. Uh, I saw that on vacation. Every little new follower I got a notification about for the uh, Inside Black and Gold podcast Twitter. I was like, all right, keep killing it. Yeah, I mean, we're up to like 60 followers now. I mean, which is nothing in the grand scheme of things. But I do judge podcasts if they've been around for like five years and have had a Twitter account and they have like 17 followers. Because I see that all the time as I see these <laughs> podcast Twitter accounts. And I look and it's like, geez. So at least we're up toward like the point where if I tweet something, there's somebody who's going to see it. Uh, but yeah, so if you haven't followed that yet, go check it out. I'm going to be one of the things that has helped it is I've been posting a lot of camp videos to yeah, that. So those that. are exclusive videos to us. It's stuff that I'm kind of taking off my own Twitter account and putting over there just because, you know, it's a good place for it. And I'm going to keep doing that. We'll have more of a plan for it. So we'll be posting some more original content from the episodes themselves. But for now, it's more just kind of like we're getting it off the ground. But yeah, so thank you to anyone who has gone and followed it already. If you haven't, go check it out. It's a good time. Turn on tweet notifications. That's a good way to find out when we post a new episode. Uh, And I won't be spamming it like I do with my Twitter account, complaining about how the Pelicans are trying to grift me out of my money. Anyway, (laughs) Why now? Would they try to sell you a, a ticket package? They're always trying to tell me something. Anything but winning games. Oh, hey now. Yeah, draft is coming up on Thursday. Looking forward to that. Just kidding. I'm hoping they don't. I'm hoping that we still have Ingram and Zion on the roster. I don't see, I don't, I don't see this great um, number two pick being Scoot uh, that's going to come in and be the difference maker for this roster. You think we could trade Mariah to the Hornets? <laughs> I wish. Yeah, I do too. I blocked her, but I still see her tweets. But I mean, that's a whole nother issue. It's like, what, what is going on with Zion? Not just even now on the court. It's like off of it, there's a whole big mess. So the, the Pelicans are in for it right now. The mess, but that's 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 a problem for another podcast. Yes. All right, <laughs> another podcast entirely. Not another episode of this podcast. Another entity that is not our own. This is Inside Black and Gold. We talk about the Saints and complain about the Pelicans. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be coming back at you later in the week with something else. Don't know what it is yet. We'll figure it out. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. Peace.